Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield, and happy Monday to you all as well. Nice to see you come out on a, on a day, a first uh, full trading week that, you know, we had a holiday last Monday. So looking at the fact that corn and beans were able to hold on to the higher side, we saw some mixed numbers on and off in that wheat complex. Livestock side struggled on the day. They were definitely on the struggle bus with some negativity. We're going to talk about all the factors that are weighing into this market trade today with Sam Hudson. Sam is with Corn Belt Marketing. Kind of start out at nice to have some positive numbers for the corn and beans. And as you said before we went on the air, at least for now. That's right. You know, it's it's a full week this week, so we do get uh, Tuesday. We'll see if it's going to be turnaround Tuesday or not, but uh, definitely nice to see at least some gains hold. Um, there hasn't been a lot of optimism for the but there's not a lot of news to trade in general, and I think that's probably going to remain the case generally until we get to uh, our acreage data at the end of March. And I, between now and then, we'll probably uh, should expect the, the soy complex to lead the way, and, and that's what we saw today. And uh, that being said, the, the soy oil seemed to be uh, the one really raising its hand out of the gate this week. So what, what's your thoughts behind this oil? What's the motivation for them? Well, obviously, we've, been, we've seen a lot of rhetoric still about our biofuels and biodiesel and what that's going to look like here moving forward. And obviously, there's a concerted effort towards uh, moving that direction, and I think it'll be a successful one. But the question is always at, at what pace, you know, what throttle are we going to see, um, you know, government regulation, the grading systems, uh, all that's going to filter into what this demand actually looks like and equates to for the U.S. And in the meantime, um, you know, we've continued to see meals sag. You know, it's been a big big drag on this soy complex. So for the short term, you know, with, with crush margins having been on the defensive for the last several months, it's been kind of a moot point. Um, we did get a positive headline, though, with the Phillips 66 uh, you know, biofuel uh, approval uh, out in California. And I think that's, you know, maybe a landmark um you know, point here as far as moving forward and the expectations of what we could see moving forward and what it's going to mean for, for our demand moving forward really over the next decade. But uh, the oil share is something actually posted about here this afternoon and just be interesting to see where we end up in this whole thing. And, uh, you know, we're going to have to find a way to use all that meal at some point. So there was so much, so much talk uh, coming out of uh, South America about, you know, the weather. I mean, that's all we've been talking about when it comes to them. But then we saw those acreage numbers um, that came out and where they're at harvest wise, whether at planting wise for this second corn crop. Everything's kind of right on par to where it normally is. It really is. You know, the part of the safrina crop was it was definitely late, and you hear stories about them planting, you know, straight into dead beans in certain areas. And, uh, you know, I think it's, you know, again, likened to to what we saw this past year in the U.S. I think you're going to have a case of the haves and have-nots, and ultimately that does add up to, you know, showing difficulty in pressing record numbers. But nonetheless, it's still looking at like a pretty big crop in Brazil either way. Uh, and the challenge is even if we end up, you know, even if we end up under 140 million metric tons, it looks like it's going to take long enough that by the time we find out we're going to be talking about our weather here in the U.S. And so that's something to be looking at here as we move forward. We're going to be starting to set base prices as we get into uh, to February here for new crop contracts. And when you look at that bean corn ratio, um, you know, we've certainly done uh, done plenty over the last two or three months to encourage, you know, potential you know, uh, boost in corn plantings when you look at uh, how things pencil out. So we'll see if that can change between now and then. But even though the struggles um, and that you keep hearing about South America, it has not deterred folks from purchasing grains for them versus us here in the States. That's right. And when you look at, you know, China's been uh, just in the headlines a lot, and as, as they should be, you know, they're such a big, uh, you know, part of our demand structure, not only us, but just for the world in general, and can help set the tone. And, and when you look at all that data in general, still a lot of concerns about where they really are. You never really know what to trust uh, when you look at the data coming out of there. But when we look at their import data, uh, it's very strong. Um, and so 
we haven't been a big benefactor of that. A lot of those supplies are coming out of uh, South America still at this point, but it does underscore the fact that we're, you know, global demand is still somewhat robust. Uh, we're just not really the first in line at this point. And so if there's anything that comes along the way that can shift that thinking, be it Mother Nature or what have you, uh, you know, the market will, you know, want to react. But at this point, we still have that buffer moving into the next crop cycle that, uh, you know, we don't have the need for a lot of risk premium. All right, Sam, you brought China up. Let's talk about the tale of two stories that are going on with their economy. Yep. Yeah, and I think, you know, when you look at you know, just generally around the globe and how much they drive trade and, and also just behind the scenes, how much, you know, they're involved in some of these geopolitical situations with an election coming up, I think it's you know, going to be important to, to focus more on what they do rather than what they say. And I think this is an example of that as long as they're importing that. I think the big question is, are they, you know, doing it to, as a restocking program or is this actually being used? And I think over the next, you know, six to eight months, you know, we could potentially see some more clues about what that looks like. But once again, I think that's going to carry us into this spring summer time frame where weather can become you know more of an influential factor again. Well, you know, and, and they still have the appetite, as we well know, for, for stuff out of South America. Our dollar, even though it saw a bit of a dip today, still seems to be a big deterring factor for them to go somewhere else. It is. And we've seen a pretty good rally in the last couple months. Hopefully, you know, we can find a way to cool that off, at least for now, because this is the time frame where we're really competing with them. They're really figuring out what they're going to have for new crop supplies. And that's going to help determine what they have to, you know, kind of quote unquote auction off for old crop uh, to just to get it out of the way. What are we going to be looking at from them as we get closer to the start of our planting? And we've still got some grain in the bins, some grain at those elevators that are looking for a home. That's right. And, you know, you look at the March, May corn spread, it's actually firmed up here a little bit as of late. But, you know, if we see some any sort of basing action in this market, I think the first thing you look for is do we see, you know, a step up in any end user coverage as you get into that uh, April, May time frame? I, I would expect there's probably not a lot of coverage there. I think the problem you get into between now and then is we've had some tough weather over the last two or three weeks. That usually backs up grain movement along the river systems, along the truck markets. And so as we see a warming trend here over the next couple of weeks, I have to expect that the end users and the processor aren't going to have as much trouble sourcing grain. And I think that could weigh on the basis no matter what uh, you know the market does. But as you get in that close to that time, uh, spring time frame, if there's a reason for rally, I think uh, you know, for the most part, I think the farmers will have probably you know sold or, or forced along you know what they had to, and it, it may be a little bit more difficult to find grain by that time. Oh, warming weather, something to the words of everybody's ears. <laughs> Let's stick around, folks. When we come back, we are going to talk a little bit more about this weather, but how it's been a factor on the livestock side. Find out some issues that are happening within their trade, but also talk a little bit more about what's happening in the grain complex. More is coming up. It is a Monday version right here of the Channel Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. A Best of Both Worlds product portfolio is one of the aspects to look forward to from the new channel brand in 2025. Here's Matt McGuire, new channel dealer from Wisner, Nebraska. With bringing in Fontenelle and Channel together, I think that our portfolios will also be second to none, especially on the, the corn side. It'll fill holes for both companies that customers may have seen there before, and I think it's just going to uh, make us really rock solid on the corn side. For more, contact your local Channel Seed Pro in Nebraska, Kansas, and Colorado. KRVN. Welcome back to the Channel Final Bell Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. As our conversation continues this afternoon with Sam Hudson. Sam, of course, is with Corn Belt Marketing. During the commercial break, um, you were fi- able to find some some data and information when it comes to China exports. So let's kind of start out looking first at those corn and beans. Yeah, well, and, and you know, we touched on that earlier and, and you know, demonstrating or at least 
take a look at what they do versus what they say and, and, you know, what's advertised versus what's actually happening. And despite the fact that they've produced, you know, quote unquote, several, I guess what they would call record crops, you know, we continue to see them come after, uh, you know, world grain. You know, again, we didn't see them really come after as much U.S., uh, you know, inventories over the last six to eight months, but that's largely because it didn't make sense for them to, and, and they probably prefer not to have us as a first, you know, choice anyways from a point of origin, but that's another story. Uh, but when you look at, you know, year-over-year jump in their corn imports, it was over 30%. I think beans were over uh, about a 10% jump. And so when you look at some of that action, like, despite the fact that they've been advertising good production, uh, you know, it almost boasts that they're looking to stock up or uh, maybe those stocks aren't really what they say they are. So I think you have to look at that uh, with a, some sort of you know, point of optimism after we've built in so much bearishness here over the last couple, two, three months. Um, and, you know, we still have a lot of uncertainties here moving forward and trying to put the cap on the South American crop is the first thing uh, or first part of that. What about from a wheat perspective? Uh, so, you know, we look at wheat on its own. I think that was up, uh, I think, almost 20% or more there year over year as well. And so, you know, there again, this Argentina production, when you look at the in context of corn and their wheat production, that still has some implications as far as what we can garner for demand moving forward. It's just it comes at a time where it really doesn't matter because we've got such a wall here domestically to do through. Uh, and once again, it kind of goes back to that point. I think the case until you get to April, May. All right, let's jump gears and, and take a look at the livestock side. Catalan feed report came out on Friday. Very neutral is how everybody described it. Kind of what's your takeaway? You know, I, I think it's good to see those numbers. Uh, it was somewhat optimistic going into it because I felt like, you know, after what we'd gone through in October and November and even leading up to the end of the year, it seems like we'd ripped the Band-Aid off there um, in terms of how futures were going to act you know, compared to cash. And now I think this sets the tone for the cash trade to really kind of drive us from here. We've seen beef prices generally, you know, perform quite well here over the last several weeks. We had our first run of, of winter weather, and I think that's, uh, you know, provided a little bit of sentiment in terms of what we should expect and what we were fearful of. Um, and I think the fact that, you know, we see that stable market, uh, you know, again, just generally boasts some optimism here. And, and hopefully we can continue to see that in the front end uh, reflected in the spread action as well. What is there talk about winter weather struggles? I mean, we definitely saw a slowdown when it came to animals going to, to market for sale barns, et cetera. But we really didn't hear a lot about the cash. And some interesting points brought up earlier in the day with another commodity guy was that, hey, you know, we got a lot that aren't being reported too at this point. Well, that's right. I would agree with that. And, and you know, the first thing you think about is just, you know, the, the efficiency and gains and all that. But, you know, I, I liken that. We were talking off air here. I kind of liken that to a similar situation going on in our grain export inspections. We see these numbers advertised every week, but then the following week they're always kind of adjusted and ratcheted up higher. And so, you know, again, this is, I think, a good demonstration of cash, giving the cash markets a chance to really show what they can do over the, over the next, you know, two or three months here before we get into the second quarter. What are we thinking demand-wise um, and consumer confidence-wise weighing in on these proteins? Well, that's going to be a big factor here, I think, especially as you get closer and closer to the uh, election, you know, some of the you know window dressing, I think, of if you want to call it that here on the economy. I think that's going to be a common theme here as we move forward. A lot of claims out there about what's being, you know, attempted in terms of keeping inflation down, food prices, energy prices all the way around. I think you're going to continue to hear about that as far as what truth we can really pull out of it. You know, again, I think you just kind of shut out the noise and, and, and you know, look at what we've got here day to day. And, you know, as we figure out these input costs, we figure out those base prices for the market uh, pertaining to the grains. Uh, I think it's all going to kind of surround the same thing as far as what we can expect for demand. Uh, and I think it's just kind of a neutral holding pattern until we get into that second or third quarter. I think it's true for the meats and, and the grains in general. Um, it's kind of a tug of war between those uh, the uncertainty and maybe negative expectations versus 
um, you know, the constant uh, improving of the market. So as you look at the at the big picture, what's the one thing that you're going to kind of be keeping an eye out for either grain or livestock at this point? Well, from a seasonal standpoint, you know, I think you have to look at the fact that, uh, you know, again, as we set these base prices and go towards spring and what we've worked into the cash markets, I think for corn and beans particularly, I think we have to look at the chance for the new crop, uh, you know, contracts to really lead the way. We're going to be talking about the the bean-corn ratio. We're going to be talking about risk premium and if there's reason to bring that back in. But once again, by the time we see reason for that, it may be, you know, May by the time, you know, that even can happen. And so I think December, uh, corn, November soybeans, I think, you know, around the $12 mark here and four. 50475 I think is pretty fair and maybe you know arguably towards the lower end of what we should expect at least for the short term but if we get any retest of you know, 1250 1260 soybeans or you know a holler back towards $5 corn I think everyone's got to look at where they're at from an input cost standpoint to next year to make sure they don't end up in a situation where many are this year all right great stuff to say what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you 800-655-3380 or cornballmarketing.com. All right. Of course, Sam Hudson's been joining us today. As we always remind you, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. And that's the Channel Final Bell being brought to you by Channel Seed and your local Channel Seed professional. Pick this up as a podcast at ruralradionetwork.com or wherever you subscribe. That's the Channel Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network.